Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of Dish the Dirt. It is wonderful to have you here. I hope that wherever you are in Australia, that you are staying safe. If you're in lockdown, I hope that you're managing to find a way through it. This week we speak to the wonderful cousins Eliza and Mel from Gatherflower Farm. When they shared an online horse gaming account at the age of 13, they had no idea that they would one day be starting up chemical-free Gatherflower Farm together. Back in 2015, when Eliza purchased the 7.5-acre farm in the Yarra Valley, she was unaware that she was purchasing a north-facing block of some of the best soil in the country. Making use of the long-established protea and foliage on the property, the pair have also delved into garden roses, peonies, dahlias, and a wide variety of annuals. With the flower farm officially launching in 2020, the pair have been on a very steep but satisfying learning curve. Mel and Eliza also run a wide variety of workshops in their refurbished barn with local artisans and creators. It was wonderful to speak to both Eliza and Mel, and it's a very fun chat. I hope that you all enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? (laughs) Um, Sorry to have interrupted that chat. We're just talking about children. It's okay. I just saw your little note that one, one of them might wake up. Oh, uh, okay. well, of course, Lucy's decided to not sleep today. So. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I've yeah. just moved her into another room with the TV. And Typical. <laughs> oh, well, if yeah. you need to jump up at any point, it's totally fine. Yeah, no, it should be fine, but, yeah. Got the baby this is, this is a very easygoing podcast. <laughs> I don't yeah. mind. Husbands have, like, interrupted with, like, asking where source is. <laughs> um, I don't know. My children have screamed in the background. And you also might hear the sweet sound of my generator, like, pumping away in the background so (laughs) you know so the power's gone out again or yeah I don't know there must be like some kind of fault I think around this area I don't think it's like a power outage well Mm -hmm. there is no power but it's (laughs) our house and our next door neighbors and then some like random spots on the main street so like some people have it some people don't half a shop has like half of their shop has power, the other half doesn't. I don't know. That's weird. I know. Anyway, <laughs> oh, it's all good. So <laughs> let's kick it off by you telling us whereabouts you're situated. Okay. Well, we're located in Sylvan in the Yarra Valley um, mm-hmm. at Eliza's house. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> and Eliza, when did you move to the property? We moved in in 2015 and basically we bought the property to grow a little bit of food for ourselves and so that I could keep my horses at home. So I had no clue, no idea that we'd one day be growing flowers. (laughs) Yeah, nice. 
And how did you, so how did it start growing flowers or, you know, you moved in in 2015 and did you enjoy flowers then or had they grown flowers on the property previously uh we were really really lucky to already have a lot of beautiful established protea and rhododendron and a lot of foliage Mm. and i think what happened really gradually is initially i was very very fixated on growing food and creating a food forest and for a while i just wanted to rip up everything that wasn't food and um, i'm really glad my husband vetoed that and We were selling some of our fruit and vegetables at local markets. We were selling to organic fruit and veg boxes, that sort of thing. And I just started putting in some of the protea a couple of times when we went to market and they were always the first thing that got snapped up. And in the meantime, in the veggie patch, I'd sort of started experimenting with cosmos and poppies and cornflower. And um, I sort of, I had a bit of a focus on growing edible flowers. So I had calendula and is it Johnny Jump Ups, Little Violas, uh, Borage, that sort of thing. And mm. just slowly, it was it was a really slow process, but I just sort of fell more and more in love with growing flowers. And there's just such a very, it's a very particular joy that comes with growing something from a seed to a flower. Like it's just, it's it's very different from growing food. And I still grow a lot of food and I love growing food, but it just, flowers is just, I don't know, it's, it's special. Yeah, yeah. And Mel, how did you jump on board? Um, <laughs> well, I was over at Eliza's house uh, one day at the start. Having a play date. Yeah, play date. Yeah. Um, at the start of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and she mentioned, oh, I'm going to start growing flowers. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> I like flowers. That's good. <laughs> um, and then Eliza lent me. Oh, was Florence book a, a year in flowers I think that was that one and I already had um, a cut flower garden at home so I went home that night and I read them and I was um, I guess really inspired by Erin and everything that she'd achieved and what she'd done with her farm um, and I started thinking oh I wonder if I could you know maybe help Eliza <laughs> to sell some flowers um, and so I I think I was speaking to her on the phone not that long later and I was kind of, you know, sharing what I'd learned and had, you know, some ideas. But I didn't really want to – I didn't say anything like, oh, we should, you know, do a flower farm together because I didn't want to step on her toes in case, you know, she had some grand plans and visions <laughs> yeah. for the farm. Um, so I kind of just, yeah, shared my thoughts and then she said, oh, maybe we should do this together. And I said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so it all kind of started from that and I basically went off and created a bunch of PowerPoints and Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> because um, what's your background? Um, I have a corporate marketing background. Okay. Um, yeah. And Photography. Photography and not-for-profit yeah. events, so... Um, and a degree in accounting. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, perfect. All of yeah. the other things that you need. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to look at the business side of things um, and do the marketing side of things. So, yeah, we we are a good pair in that way. Because I'm yeah. terrible at everything that Mel's really good at. <laughs> and I and Mel, are you terrible at everything that Eliza's really good uh, at? A lot of it, yes. Okay. <laughs> so what are your different roles within the business, would you say? Mel's the boss. <laughs> Mel's the boss. 
Um, Mel is very clever. She she knows she knows what needs to be done. Um, so Mel Mel sort of is point of contact when people contact us about workshops which you run in the barn or orders or queries or anything like that and um mel does mel does you do everything you're amazing <laughs> and i just i'm i kind of put compost on things <laughs> and grow things so i Eliza's the chief grower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, Eliza. Obviously, it's uh, the farm is at Eliza's house. So Eliza um, does majority of the farming, and I only come in maybe once a week and help with that aspect of things. Yeah, and, yeah. I look after the business side of things. So. Awesome. Yeah. So, twenty twenty. That was a pretty hard year to start a flower farm. I feel like what. Was it an easy decision to make or you didn't really know that COVID was going to hit? Um, well, we didn't really, we didn't know that COVID was going to hit when we first started talking about it. Mm. But, I mean, ideally, you know, we wouldn't have been starting the business with COVID happening. But I think for us, the flip side of that is that it did give us a little bit of breathing space and it allowed us to sort of start things up at a bit of a slower pace than we otherwise would have, I think. Mm. And I think we've been able to learn, we were able to learn a lot more during that initial period and really sit with what we wanted to do and what we needed to do better, which is, you know, very much an ongoing thing for us. But um, yeah, and I think, I think that, that that sort of slow, gentle feel mm-hmm. has definitely shifted since yeah. going back to sort of regular life. Because we yeah. had the idea at the start of 2020, but we didn't officially launch until the 1st of September 2020. Okay. So we had quite a few months of, yeah, like planning and just chatting about what we wanted to do and, you know, taking our time to set up a website and me wanting to buy a lot of <laughs> a lot of plants and you know, trying to stop me. <laughs> yeah. So... It was, yeah, it was actually ended up being fine, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you plant to start off with? (laughs) Um, I think for us, um, I already had a few roses that were established and we've already got our established protea. So initially we kind of added to that. So we've got quite a few baby protea that we've planted I try and get quite a few from, there's this awesome little place around the corner from us called Recycled Roots and Leaves. And they do a lot of sort of plant rescuing and they've got a community development focus and that sort of thing and do a lot of disability support and very much on permaculture principles. So they sometimes have protea and leucodendron and things that will be really good for cut flowers in stock. It's very ad hoc and you don't know what's, what's going to be in stock until you go there, but I have managed to get quite a few protea and things like that which um makes me awesome. happy yeah that's great and, yeah and roses we I I probably love roses more than Mel but um yeah we we added a lot of roses in and um I was really surprised actually at how well they did for you know some of them were quite quite young um, mm. so I was really happy with how well they did and they're just going to get more and more prolific which I'm really excited about yeah. yeah, we had annuals. We probably yeah. yeah that that was one of our big learning curves. Is um, <laughs> I think we we just grew too many different varieties of annuals, and um, it was a bit overwhelming. And I don't think we really consolidated our learning as well as we could have. So next year we're going to be oh, this year this year this year <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be growing um, less 
less of a less variety. Yeah, more of less. Yes, more yeah. of less. <laughs> yeah, great. So why why did you feel that was it just too hard to manage, or you felt like um, some things didn't work so well in the soil? We're 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 so lucky with our soil. Um, we accidentally bought you know this. It's beautiful. It's it's this really red volcanic soil that doesn't have any rocks or anything in it, and it's it's so fertile. And where we are, there's just flower growers and berry growers and mm. everywhere. And um, and we accidentally bought you know this beautiful rolling north facing block. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, and that wasn't even on our radar at that stage. You know, I'd been growing things on a balcony in Belgrave that was really shaded and it was, yeah, it wasn't on, wasn't on my radar. Um, so it's more, it's, I think everything's done fairly well in terms of the soil and the conditions. It's just been, I mean, in some ways it was really good cause it was, we've experimented a lot and we've learned a lot. Um, but I think it was, it was hard to work out cause all the, all the different annual varieties have different needs and mm. um, it was a lot to sort of keep, on top of um, first year. So in some ways it was good because we learned a lot, but in other ways, um, yeah, we, <laughs> we stretched ourselves too thin. And I think, you know, some of the plants, I didn't get them out of their punnets quickly enough. Other things I probably, you know, maybe overwatered a little bit when they were yeah. seedlings in the hoop house. Um, yeah. You know, just trying to work out when things, because some, some things are very fussy about when they're potted on and all that sort of thing. So and, and also at the, the other end of it and the harvesting side, you know, just trying to work out the ideal time to harvest to get maximum vase life and stem length and when to pinch and what to pinch and all of that sort of thing. So it was, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <The varieties. laughs> it, it does sound like a lot. <laughs> um, so what would you say that you've done really well in this past season and what do you think has been your biggest learning curve? Um, well, I think that's probably different for both of us. I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, more on the growing side of things. And I basically, I basically learn by killing things. <laughs> and then I go, okay, well, I won't do that again. Um, I did do, I mean, I did do um, most of a permaculture certificate, which I really enjoyed. And then I got really sick with my pregnancy and I didn't finish it, but um, otherwise I'm self-taught. So it's a constant, very steep learning curve. And I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of how, I'm pretty proud mostly of how the roses have gone. Um, mm. I think we've, we've planted our peonies pretty well. We've got, we've just put in a huge number of just double the number of peonies we've got in the ground. I think, are we up to 300? Yeah. Wow, awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited about those ones. <laughs> yeah, so will they flower this season or do they take a couple of seasons to get going? Well, normally they take a couple of seasons to get going. So the ones we planted uh, last autumn, the ones that bloomed in the spring just gone, we mm. we took off the buds yeah. and didn't let them flower so they could oh. focus into roots. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. <laughs> but we've been assured by um, the... You know, peony guru Ron from Peony's uh, Payon in Mombok, yeah. who is absolutely like he. I don't think there's anything he doesn't know about peonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Um, he's assured us that we will get some blooms on the ones we've got from him. So we're, yeah, oh. this year. So we're we're pretty excited about that. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. 
sorry, and as continue as you were with that. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what do you What do you think you've done? Your side of things <laughs> done well, and what have you? I think. Um, I guess I'm most proud of maybe the workshops that we've um, run in the yeah. past. Um, well, past few months, they've yeah they've just gone really well. Um, we've had a a bunch of different um, people come in, like uh, florists come in to do flower arranging, like bouquet, yeah, bouquet arranging. in a vessel. Yeah, we've had, yeah, watercolor painting and whatnot, and yeah, they've just gone really well, and I'm I'm really happy with how they've gone, and um, yeah, it's been lots of fun, and it's been really cool as well because um, you know we've we've for the uh, bouquet and the vase arranging we've used probably I think um we've mostly unless the um person running it has just brought like a handful of something from their own garden it's just been entirely from the farm and actually seeing all of our flowers in these gorgeous arrangements at the end of a workshop that you know mm. we've grown from seed and you know it's, that's that was pretty um that was pretty special mm. we're always yeah. worried before a workshop yeah we're not gonna have enough yeah. <laughs> well we have enough we need to buy more and then we always have way too many so yeah I think always... that's like every florist <laughs> yeah <laughs> thing so what made you diversify into workshops um it was just one of the ideas that we had from the beginning um because uh, Eliza um has a barn a renovated barn on the property which she'd already set up basically to run workshops. Yeah. Um, we thought, well, we might as well also run workshops with um, with the flowers and whatever else we decide to. Because I do my sort of day job <laughs> is writing, so I write books and freelance yeah. articles and that sort of thing, and I do do quite a lot of teaching. So I, when we bought the farm back in 2015, I did have this hazy idea that I wanted to run workshops, writing workshops somewhere on the farm. Um, our barn... Um, was so ugly when we moved in um, that didn't even enter my head as a possibility <laughs> like I was, that didn't even um, but yeah I'm pretty proud of how we've renovated it and um, yeah it's a nice space mm. yeah it's a beautiful space I have been there it's gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm chatting to you not knowing you know when I talk yeah. to people who I already know I have to pretend I don't know anything so <laughs> um, but uh, so you've diversified into workshops and do you think that you'll um, start running them yourselves or is that something that you want to do or you just want to get in other people or do you think it'll just evolve as time goes on? Um, yeah, we would like to um, run the workshops ourselves eventually. Um, Eliza already has run a writing workshop mm. a couple of months ago. We have been inviting in uh, I guess experts in the field because um, we're so we're so far from being experts. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> we're not experts at flower arranging, so um, that's why we've brought in brought in people. It's also, yeah. uh, I think, a great way to uh, get awareness out of the farm as well by mm. bringing in someone that already has an Instagram following, basically, because um, mm. they will be able to share on Instagram um, that they're running a workshop and it's at our flower farm. So yeah, that's just a great way that we've been able to get awareness out of the farm. We've well. made a lot of we've made a lot of friends running the workshops, which has been really cool. Yeah, it's been yeah, an added great. Bonus. And um, you know, it's sort of you know, I think the first workshop we run, it was you know a lot of friends and family members that were because we were a bit nervous about you know ticket sales and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, like the the later ones we've been running, it's been pretty much you know you look at the booking list and you're like, oh, I don't know any of these yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it means that, you know, worth getting out and people are 
people want to come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, everyone that's come has been just wonderful and it's mm. it's been a real it's been such a privilege to host people on the farm so mm. that's I think that is something that we're going to continue running um yeah definitely definitely yeah. and as we yeah, get more experience in different things we will also consider yeah running them the workshops ourselves we do have yeah. one one sort of in the pipeline um that we're we're planning to run in October so just okay. getting people out and um showing them how to sow the seeds and everyone will leave with like some seeds and a few little yeah, seeds cool. on it. and just how to you know start their own little cut flower farm at home well yeah. little you know cut flower garden <laughs> I I definitely need this <laughs> so how have you found the flower farming community um where you are um, really wonderful. Um, I mean, we haven't had a gr- I mean, there's there's huge flower farm farms around where we are and um, we haven't really had any contact with them, although we mm. really, really admire what they're doing. But just on a smaller scale, we've found people to be really warm and welcoming and friendly and, and that goes, you know, farmers, the florists. Um, it's just, it's been a really lovely industry and a lovely community to become mm. involved with. Yeah. And what knowledge would do you have to share with kind of people starting out or florists who, I don't know, maybe want to buy more locally grown flowers? Um, I think something we kind of touched on before was, I guess, if you're starting out um, as a, a flower farmer to, yeah, not necessarily grow a hundred different varieties <laughs> um, and yeah, actually grow less varieties, but more of them. Cause we definitely found that we didn't have enough of the varieties that we grew that, and we weren't able to offer, uh, you know, large quantities to florists. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a way that we got around it was by offering a seasonal bucket and uh, you know, putting in different varieties of flowers in maybe a certain color palette um, which worked out fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been, it would be great to be able to say, yeah, we actually do have a couple of buckets of um, dahlias available or, you know, whatever it is that we've got. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that would be one thing, I think. And making sure you buy the cut flower variety. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, yes, yes, of course. Yeah. To just so, get that stem link. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you know where to start buying your flowers from? You already well, kind of, had a knowledge I background think, of that. I think initially, though, we just well, we just bought a bunch of things and then realised later, oh, hold on a second, these are a bit short. Why are they so short? Oh, they're not cut flowers. <laughs> and then looked into it a little more. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think as well, there's been a shift for us in terms of quantity. You know, we've gone from using quite and you know just as a home gardener and just you know planting a few flowers here and there. I was you know, buying them a lot smaller scale from like the Diggers Club and mm. little the seed collection and that sort of thing. So we sort of have shifted a little bit to buying more bulk seed yeah. and that sort of thing from places like Ball and High Sun. Yeah. Um, but we're also mixing that up with smaller, you know, smaller seed um, yeah. sellers and that sort of thing because then I think it's like the best of, both worlds and we're hoping this coming season that we'll have sort of a you know bulk lot of flowers and then we'll also be able to offer you know um the I guess the varieties that can be a little bit harder for people to get their hands on yeah lovely awesome sounds great so who's been your biggest inspiration in the flower farming community 
Mel's just gone. Mm. Oh, has she? Yeah. <laughs> um, we can wait a second for her to come back if you like. I think I think for me, well, I can I can I think ours we're, we're different. Um, I I think biggest influence for me is in terms of making me feel really excited about it and wanting to just go out and get my hands dirty and do what they're doing. Um, Millie Proust, who is based in the UK, okay, um, and her Instagram is just stunning, um, and she she does she grows. She grows a really wide variety of things, and I think she studied with um, Floret Flower Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when she did that, but yeah, her feed and her, her videos and her arranging and things like that are just absolutely beautiful. So yeah, it's probably the biggest inspiration for me. Um, now, <laughs> <laughs> is she tending to her child? Yes, yeah, tending to her child. Oh. I did hear somebody <laughs> scream, "Mummy!" Yeah. in the background. <laughs> Sorry, she decided she didn't want to watch TV anymore. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, At least you'll go to bed early tonight. Maybe. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, so we were just talking about who your biggest inspiration has been. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I agree with Millie. Um, I love her. Yeah. Her garden, just a beautiful garden. I wish it was my garden. Yes. <laughs> um. I've also been inspired by recently as well been inspired by Petrina Burrell. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has a beautiful garden in suburban Melbourne um, and she plants an incredible amount of bulbs and ranunculus and corms and other things in the garden. I think she's, I'm sure she said once she planted 8,000 or something in her backyard yeah, I know. Um, don't know yeah. how she does that. So. <laughs> I think you don't even have that many on our farm. <laughs> yeah. Where do you put them all in your garden? <laughs> um, and so even when we were planting, you know, the other, the other day we were saying, you know, if Petrina can put that many in, you know, that space, we can put that many here. <laughs> we can plant ours closer. We can fit more in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, which and I went, may, which may backfire on us. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> <all right. laughs> we'll find out. And then I came home and I bought extra um, uh, corms for my own. I've planted them in like little nooks and crannies in the hopes that I'll get some extra flowers here as well. I've been trying to convince Mel to just start planting in her lawn. Yeah, good. Well, you're taking up your farm, so it's fair, right? (laughs) And that's actually something that I think a lot of people when they come to the farm find quite interesting. Sorry, just while I've got this thought, um, that when people go into the workshop space and it's just, decked out and full of flowers that have all been grown on the farm. Then we do a farm tour. I think people are often surprised at how little space you need to produce a lot of flowers Mm. because a lot of our farm is taken up with horse paddocks and we've got a lot of orchards and that sort of thing. So I think people are, Mm. you know, they don't, it sort of seems like it shouldn't work. Like they see the flowers that we've grown and then they look at the beds and they're like that. That doesn't seem to add up. Yeah, it's kind of an underwhelming tour in a way. It is a very underwhelming tour. (laughs) Um, Especially because we've picked literally everything that's out. (laughs) Out there, so there's not much to see. The view is nice. The view is nice. Yeah, but it is true, I think, and from talking to quite a few farmers now, and I think that's why it's so important for people to go and see farms because – yeah, you don't need a huge amount of space and you can dig up your lawn and turn yeah. it into a flower farm. <laughs> yeah. 
So, <laughs> yeah. So, chatting about the industry, how how do you feel about the flower farming industry, and maybe just the floral industry? And is there anything that you've come across that you would love to change or see change in the future? I think what's been really exciting for us coming in, you know, very very green to the industry. Um, it's been really really exciting seeing the shift away from floral foam and the shift away from imported flowers and I mean we it's hard for us to understand as I guess very recently consumers um how long this shift has been really happening but um Mm. just moving into the industry as we have last year it's been really really exciting watching that shift and and there seems to be a lot of demand for locally grown flowers and um, people being more aware of where flowers are coming from and supply chains and that sort of thing. So that's been really fun from where, mm. where I'm sitting. Yeah. I mean, as a consumer, I mean, I have no, I would have had no idea if I was talking to a florist that, you know, maybe half of the flowers in there at one stage, you know, may actually be imported. Mm. Uh, I would have had no idea um, that they weren't you know, grown in Australia. So I think it's really important to continue to try and get that uh, knowledge out there because I know a lot of my friends still don't know that. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I I definitely agree with um, the country of origin labelling that's being discussed uh, a lot recently in this industry that needs to happen because otherwise how do consumers know where the Mm. flowers are from? And seasonal and the the importance and the value of seasonal Mm. flowers as well because I think people just think I love this type of flower and they – don't necessarily understand that if they're buying it at certain times of year, it's being imported or it's being grown in, you know, I guess quite artificial conditions under lights and in heated houses and that sort of thing. So yeah. I think that's that's another thing that's mm. been really exciting watching that shift too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So these are just some questions that I always ask at the end and I've thrown in a new one. So... What would your favourite karaoke song be in the flower patch? Or favourite podcast to listen to in the flower patch? Something that, I don't know, when you're working, you listen to. Uh, I, we love listening to Dish the Dirt. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, what else have we been listening to? I like listening to Dispatch, Dispatch to a Friend. I find that very inspiring and beautiful listening yeah um, and I just I'm terrible I'm I always have music playing and I'm always singing very badly along to it so good Mel, Mel's very long-suffering in that <laughs> regard <laughs> and do you have a favorite flower roses <laughs> roses for me so Mel, Mel and I you know Mel Mel's you're anticipating the peonies, but you're also you love the dahlias. Yeah, I yeah, I think peonies will probably always win. Just yeah. <laughs> they're just so special. They only flower for that short amount of time, and you know they are just so special. So I understand that. Yeah, I think I just I love flowers that have a, a scent. Mm. Um, I love like I love mm. dahlias, but yeah. I just roses, and um, we've been absolutely I've. I just I can spend oh, I can spend hours just in my rose pouch 
just poking around and just the different, even the difference in the foliage is really fascinating to me. And I think our favorite roses are, well, mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, um, Novalis, I bought sort of impulse bought at Bare Rooted at the end of the season. And that's been the most prolific grower. Um, it hasn't had any black spot. It hasn't had problems with aphids. It's just, it's about a foot taller than all my other roses. It's just been amazing. And they're these beautiful lush, scented mauve roses mm. and um soul sister which i think oh, i love soul sister needs no introduction mm-hmm. they're beautiful almost like bronzy coffee colored flowers mm. um we really love them and jude the obscure which is just such a lush lush beautiful huge david austin cream colored one with a beautiful yeah lovely so <laughs> do you have favorite tools on the farm Anything that you've discovered that you love it can even be a pair of boots, actually. My 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 little I got a little flower belt and I love it. I like I feel very important and very <laughs> very very um, proper. I strap on my little flower belt and I've got you know got my phone in there, and my my falcos and my gloves and little dibbler for planting things and. <laughs> So I love my flower belt because before that, I don't even know what I did. I think I just like put things in my pocket and then I'd stab myself when I bent over and I'd drop things and it was just a mm. so, yeah. yeah, I feel like I've evolved. <laughs> love, my, love my flower belt. I love, um, I love the, what we call the tractor, which is actually the <laughs> mower, the right-hand mower with the trailer <laughs> and being able to cart everything around. In the trailer, I think that's my favorite tool, <laughs> if I can call it that. Yeah, like, awesome. We do have we do have a tractor on the farm, but um, I've thus far been too scared to learn how to <laughs> operate it. But that's my goal for summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna master the the tractor and the tractor bucket so I can Ooh. bother bother my partner Ben less. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel, just quickly on the um, kind of social media marketing side. What would you say to people wanting to start out and, you know, kind of make a social presence? Because I think it's something unique that you have that lots of other, I guess, flower farmers don't have that knowledge base. Yep. Um, There's there's a lot you can do on Instagram, obviously. Um, I think it's important to, when you're starting out, uh, you just have to... You don't have to post every day, post, you know, maybe three times a week, but try and take thing, try and take pictures of things that you, others will be interested in, that they're not just going to quickly scroll past. You can definitely see that um, if you take a picture of, uh, you know, a dirt patch, you're not going to get as much, as many likes as something of a beautiful dahlia, for example. Mm. Dirt patch might be more for the stories. (laughs) It might be more for the stories. So it's, yeah, it's, it's something to think about. Is this going to look good on the grid or can I keep it in my stories? So yeah. as well, when you're putting something on the grid, you know, you've got to think about an engaging caption um, to try and get people to stop and actually read and engage with you. So you always want to try and think about, can you add in a call to action? So maybe a question at the end that people can respond to because Instagram really loves it um, when basically you can yeah, engage with others, they engage with you and mm. then, that will help boost you in the algorithm. So then then you'll be seen more in other people's feeds, basically. I'm not allowed to put images on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit, <laughs> I control it a little bit. <laughs> um, 
And then there's just other things like hashtags. So you can use them to your benefit. So you can use broad hashtags, which could just be like flowers or dahlias, or then you can use more specific ones that it might be, uh, you know, like Melbourne Forest or Yarra Valley Weddings or something like that. Uh, so when people are searching for these things, you will pop up um, as well in the search. Uh, so the, yeah, that's just another way to, to get more visibility. And then just another thing is, yeah, um, adding to your story. So ideally, if you can add, add things on your stories every couple of days, uh, that, would be, that would be more ideal. Uh, and that, that, that's, you can put anything on your stories, background information about what you're doing or, you know, what you like or, yeah, anything really. It's, it's definitely um, a spot where you can be more casual and people mm -hmm. like to actually see the person behind the account as well. So, yeah, show your face on there. If you can. Yeah, Mel Mel's really, really great with social media and that sort of thing. I thought I thought I was pretty across it just from my author day job. Yeah. <laughs> I've I learned so much from Mel. Yeah. Is it amazing? So where do you see yourselves in the next couple of years? What are your hopes for the future? Peonies. <laughs> <laughs> More okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think this year kind of established what we like, definitely what we like and what we want to grow more of. So, and what what um what people you know what local florists are interested mm. in as well. Um, that's been yeah really helpful. So, I think I think just keeping going with what we're doing. Um, yeah. Learning, learning, <laughs> learning, learning, tweaking things as we go. Um, yeah, I think it's probably just focus. We're probably now more focusing on our, I guess, favourite flowers. You'd say, <laughs> um, and and uh, and workshops, and just fitting it in into our life, I guess, because the flower farm isn't our, isn't actually a full time job or anything. Mm. Um, so yeah, just working that into everything else that we do as well. Yeah, incredible. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to chat about or let people know about your farm? One thing I haven't asked actually is how do people find you and if they want to buy flowers from you, how do they do that? Uh, so you can look us up on Instagram or Facebook, uh, which is Gather Flower Farm. Mm -hmm. um, you just contact us that way or you can head to our website and send us a contact uh, form as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, any of those options is fine. Okay, cool. And is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I, think, I think I'd probably just like to add that the the learning curve, like I think I've mastered something, but then it just, it, it shifts and I've got to relearn everything all over again. So going from propagating seeds on my, you know, kitchen counter to setting up a table under the windowsill near the window to propagating them in a converted cubby house <laughs> to now we've actually got an irrigated hoop house. So learning how to propagate them in the hoop house. So it is just such a continuing process of learning and killing things <laughs> and working at and deciding not to do that again. Yeah, yeah. And Mel, anything you wanted to add? It's okay if you don't. I don't think, so. <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> oh, thank you both for taking the time to chat to me. Um, Eliza, do you have power back on? You do, don't you? Yes, yesterday yeah. morning it was yeah. like Christmas. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks. For 
thank you for listening to this episode of Dish the Dirt. It's such an honor to have you all along every week so thanks very much if you would like to get in touch with mel and eliza you can do so via their instagram at gather flower farm thanks to everyone who has purchased a ticket to the monvale flowers farm tour and industry day it's going to be such a great day with amazing guest speakers and a beautiful tour of all the blossom at megan joe's farm Uh, Thank you to them for opening their gates as well. If you have missed out on a ticket, please email me at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com and I'll see what I can do. Thanks again to everyone who listens in every week. If you would like to leave a review at Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing or leave a rating, that would also be good. Thanks again. I think I've said thank you about 20 times already, but I don't want to record this outro again. You should see all the outtakes I have every week. So keep being blooming fabulous out there and I will see you next week.